Welcome to another episode of Kindred Conversations. Today, we are so happy to share a guest with you. Our guest today is Darren Baird, special, very special guest to me because he is my uncle, but also he is our expert on all things gratitude. Darren does a lot of sales coaching and independent coaching, and he focuses a lot of that on gratitude. So we were really excited to have him on our episode today. Okay, Darren, thank you so much for being willing to come on the podcast and do this with us today. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. we. I feel like this just goes in perfectly with our topic today, but we start every episode with a moment of gratitude. Um, I'll go first and then we just go down the line. My um, moment of gratitude from this week was actually just like a moment of inspiration that Johnny had. Um, we are moving and it kind of... This has been the plan, but I feel like, you know, it never really hits you until it's real. Anyway, so all of a sudden, now that now that it's actually happening, now that we sold our house and we have to move, I've started getting really stressed about packing everything up and getting ready to go. And um, Johnny just had this moment of inspiration and asked um, a cousin of his to come out for the next couple of weeks to nanny our boys basically be with our boys all day long so that I can pack before we go and honestly that has taken the biggest weight off my shoulders and I'm so grateful I'm grateful that we have family that's willing to do that grateful that Johnny was thinking about me and how I was going to get this all done um just because he's working all day so he's not able to pack anyway just the way everything fell into place I've been really grateful for it that's so good yeah Darren do you want to go yeah um the very first thing I thought of when you said, hey, take a few minutes and think about gratitude is I just thought about family. I just think um, that that family is really kind of the place that we very frequently get rescued, you know. Sometimes we don't really rely on them and sometimes, particularly for me, I'm very close-knit with my immediate family, but sometimes that extended family, you know, kind of I'm, I'm more present to my immediate family and it's just really great to know that we've got people we can rely on. So I think it was really funny that that was your moment of gratitude as well. I think it's, I think it's interesting. So, um, I just am super grateful for family. I'm grateful for people who, who jump in and are willing to help when we are in times of crisis and that's always family that I turn to. So that was my thought. I love that. That's perfect. And, and relatable. Yes. And I'm laughing because I <laughs> totally have a theme because I am grateful this week. We just got to go to an extended family reunion on my mom's side. So it was all of my cousins and aunts and uncles. And um, actually my mom's maiden name is Kindred. And that's kind of where the inspiration for this podcast came for me at least, um, is Kindred Conversations. But we got to go out to the lake with them and just really spend that time. And I didn't get to grow up around very many of them, but it was so good to just be together and watch my young cousins play with Miles and just to see that bond that is so there and to know these people that I love so much are always there for us. It was just a really special reunion and I'm so grateful for it. So I love that that's what we are all feeling so thankful for this. I know that was a perfect theme. Okay, Darren, we have done like a small intro introducing you, but we're wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners and how you have gotten to be interested in gratitude and um, just kind of the role that that plays in your life and in your in your career. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I am what I call myself a human and organizational performance coach. 
Um, and really what that means is I help my clients as a, in a consulting fashion um, improve in their outcomes. I do a lot of sales consulting. I do a lot of customer care consulting, and I help my clients drive better uh, productivity. And interestingly enough, about 15 years ago when I started this, I'd come across some research centered around gratitude and how profound the research side of gratitude really is and how it has an impact in our productivity and performance, both as human beings and or in an organizational setting. And so I actually started really getting to the point where on an annual basis around Thanksgiving, I would share um, some of the gratitude science with all of my clients. And it's really interesting because every year as I get ready for it, I have clients that I've worked with for multiple years. Some clients I've worked with literally for 10 years. So they've heard me do my, my gratitude science delivery for 10, 10 years. So I always kind of try to do new research each year, kind of try to find new studies. And um, I have clients come back to me with as much as I help them literally drive tangible increases in income, drive better results from a standpoint of you know, customer satisfaction and outcomes and results. One of the most common things that they come back to me and say is like, this is our favorite conversation every single year. And so um, it's been really fun. It's been, it's been a passion of mine. You know, we've, we found ways to incorporate it in our family. I always deliver it with my clients. And so that's kind of what I do and how I got engaged in, in the concepts and ideas of gratitude. And, and uh, so it's, it's fascinating and it's really fun stuff. So you mentioned the effects of gratitude. Will you tell us about those? Um, yeah. So interestingly enough, um, roughly uh, now, about 14, 15 years ago, there were two researchers who really kind of jumped into the science of gratitude. Um, the reason that this is a pretty new science is scientists don't generally love to talk about things that A, we can't define, and B, we can't measure. So when we start talking about virtues, it's really difficult to say, well, what is gratitude? Well, mm -hmm. it's the act of being grateful. But what does that mean? And how do we really, like, how do we really define it? And more importantly, how do we measure it? So there were two researchers um, by the name of Dr. Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough who actually started really getting engaged in how do we stimulate mental well-being. Ever since human beings have started walking on the planet, we've talked about how do we deal with mental Ill illness. But they were really interested in how do we stim stimulate well-being, happy, healthy, you know, stimulate, uh, stimulants around well-being rather than trying to deal with the, the effects of mental illness. So they, they set out first by identifying, well, what is gratitude? And they really came up with simple definitions. Number one, it is that we need to recognize that we've been the recipient of a benefit. Number two is that we need to understand that um, that benefit comes from a source outside of ourselves. We're, we ourselves are not capable of producing it. And the final definition was that, that it's really non-conditional to our behavior. We'll most likely get the receipt of the benefit, whether regardless of how we behave. So with that definition in place, they set out and got you know, two groups of individuals, well, actually three groups of individuals. They asked the first group to focus on things that we're grateful for on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and they wanted them to write about them. The second group, they asked them to write about hassles and frustrations that they'd experienced. And the third group was just write. We don't really care what you write about, just journal or just write. Interestingly enough, Paris, the individuals who had focused on gratitude on a regular basis saw increases in determination, attitude, they made more progress on their personal goals, they slept better with longer duration, they fewer, experienced fewer physical symptoms, they made more progress um, mentally and physically, they weighed less than those than their counterparts, and they had these huge effects of, of positive engagement and gratitude. 
the people who all while Paris decreasing um, anxiety, fear, frustration, anger. The people who focused on frustrations, things that they were frustrated or angry about, we just take that research and dump it upside down. So their decreases were in optimism, determination, energy, uh, sleep. And then they saw increases in, you know, anger, frustration, depression, anxiety. And then interestingly enough, we can't forget the control group, regardless of how the control group came in, they came out the exact same way. So, you know, they, how they rated their well-being and happiness in the control group, they just came out the same way because they were, you know, if they went in happy, they were focusing on happy things. If they <laughs> yeah. went in angry, they were focusing on angry things. And so it was really interesting, you know, by providing, providing that writing cue, it literally, regardless of people came in happy or really not doing so well, they all saw those gains in those kind of areas. I mean, it, it's really, really profound. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm just thinking, listening to, to you talk, if I were to hear the results of the study, not knowing what it was, just thinking, oh, it's this drug you can take and you get either this effect or this effect. It would be such an easy, simple thing. Yes, sign me up. I want to do that. And it's great because we know what we can do to get those effects. And we have that research to know what can bring us those outcomes. Well, Paris, check this out. You want to go a step further? Yes. Dr. Martin Seligman at Penn University actually did a self, he developed a self-help website and he, and he created really kind of a very similar path. He just asked people to focus on three things that went well that day and why they think so. In 27 days, they saw a lot of these same kind of their positive growth. So it's again, just those things, the governing principle is we talk, we can talk a ton about the science and theory of in, in other peripheral areas, but we talk about gating, um, sensory gating, you know, the things we focus on grow expect expectancy theory, how we actually kind of produce our outcomes by focus and energy. That's all not just like motivational speaking type stuff. There's really, really hard neurological science about how these outcomes are produced. So Dr. Martin Seligman at Penn university had done this, done this study. And he said, people who focused on, on a regular daily basis, three things that went well that day and why they think so saw all of the, these same increases. Now here's the crazy thing, Paris is that Dr. Martin Seligman said that, that it was, um, and I apologize because I really should have been a little bit more ready to state hard statistics, but I think I'm 90, 99% sure that it was 78% of the participants saw what Dr. Seligman in, you know, put this in, you know, quotes, open quote, saw a significant increase in their mental health, less uh, um, depression, less frustration, less anger. And then Dr. Seligman said this, these are the exact same outcomes we would expect from drug and or psychotherapy. But those people who practice that, um, you know, practice those kinds of executions in, in the positive you know, state of mental, their, their effects lasted longer. So it literally is like a drug. I mean, interestingly enough, we could actually get into a whole bunch of other research about the drugs that, that our brain produces when we focus, when we're angry, when we're happy, when we're... And so these drugs literally create what we call a neuroplasticity that it rewires the way we think and the way we operate. So it actually has the same effect of drug and, and or psychotherapy in so many cases, and the effects last longer because we're actually rewiring the brain to focus that way. So it's Fascinating. That yeah, is so incredible. fascinating. Um, okay, you've, you've actually touched on just like a couple of things that we could really go deeper in, but but I wanted to ask you, if somebody wanted to be a better at practicing gratitude in their life, how would you recommend that they go about that? I mean, you've mentioned 
the just like writing basically like a gratitude diary or even like the writing the three things that went well and why they went well what what would you recommend somebody implements in their life well you know what's a really really great question Brittany because I think there there are very clear answers to that so I'll, so I'll give you know everybody some thoughts and some ways to think about it but but part of what we know is is that gratitude is literally like um, like a muscle that when we exercise it, it strengthens. But if we go latent and we don't go to the gym, that same muscle starts to experience atrophy and we fall back on the original, you know, neurological wirings of frustration or anger or whatever it may be. So we're literally talking about a neuroplastic, plastic, you know, change in the way we operate and the way we think. So we literally see things differently. We operate differently. We behave then differently. And, and particularly, there, there, there are several things. But Can there's... I stop you right there, actually? I just want to ask a, a side question as you're saying this, because I don't want to forget it. Um, would, would you say then that in terms of practicing gratitude, it can kind of be a fake it till you make it thing? Oh, unquestionably. And, okay. and, I, and I love the fact that you said that because, again, it takes a little while to actually start really kind of creating that, that, that change mm-hmm. in the way we operate and we think. Super, super common. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you some of the very clear scientific elements that all of the researchers would suggest as gratitude exercises. And then okay. I'm going to come back to hit on that little thought. So okay. I generally, when I talk about, when I talk about with my clients ways that they can exercise gratitude, there's really four things that I focus on that comes a lot from um, the research. Number one is, is what we call literally writing in a gratitude journal. So I encourage my clients to have a space and a place that's literally a gratitude journal, not a journal that you write in daily events or whatever, because we talked about that control group. This is literally a focused journal that they can write in. And it's a gratitude journal. And literally they spend, um, you know, time thinking about things they're grateful for in journaling. So it's a gratitude journal. So most every scientific study um, has a gratitude journal aspect to it where they start that way. So it's like, hey, participants of the study, have a gratitude journal and they usually start with 21 to 28 days of just on a daily basis focus on this thing. So it's a gratitude journal. So literally you're just taking time and you're just writing, I'm grateful for, and you're making a list. Keep in mind the definition that we, that we started with, right? It's like you or your recipient of a benefit comes from a source outside of yourself and you conditionally are not necessarily able to produce that outcome. Mm -hmm. So um, so a gratitude journal is one. Another is that we, we learn to verbalize our gratitude more frequently. And interestingly enough, I had come across an article not very long ago where there was a guy who had talked about, you know, ways to, you know, be more productive and more happy. And he literally came back and, and referenced the Emmons and McCullough research. And he said, so part of his daily morning routine, he actually thinks about who's somebody that I can go verbalize my, my gratitude to. So when we also talk about, about verbalization of gratitude, I like to create a little bit of a distinction between what we call a thank you and a gratitude. I think it's easy for us very frequently to say, oh, hey, Brittany, you're amazing. Thank you for everything. And that's great. And it feels good both to the recipient and the giver. But when we actually start talking about gratitude, we root it in, in something concrete. Like, okay. like, Brittany, I'm grateful for you because... Every day you make my lunch and I've got my little brown you know, sack with my sandwich <laughs> in it. And I, I, like, I, I just think about it. Every time I sit down and eat that sandwich, I think of you. you know? So it's something more concrete. Right. I remember the time I was struggling and you came to me and you said, so we, we really have to root it in something more concrete. Now remember, I'm not even talking about for the recipient. This is for the mental health or the person who's practicing the gratitude to go through the exercise to root that in some concreteness. Right? Okay. Bullet point three is notes of gratitude. So it's the same thing as verbalizing gratitude. 
but very frequently researchers will talk about who, you know, who are people in your, in your life who have had a positive impact. So one of the things that I like to do with my clients, Brittany, is I'll actually start with that before I actually get into the, I'm, I'm like, hey, take a few minutes and I want you each to think about people who have had a positive impact in your life and just make a list, just write names on them. And then I'll go through the session and I'll say, hey, Paris, tell me somebody on your list. And Paris will say, oh, my cousin Joey. And I'm like, well, tell me about Joey. Why is he on your list? And what? And then you start, and it's interesting to see how the room starts changing. Mm-hmm. So even the very effect of thinking about putting together who am I going to verbalize my gratitude and, and or who am I going to write my notes of gratitude, the very act of thinking about that is, is an exercise of gratitude. But then you take it that step further. So verbalizing your gratitude, notes of gratitude, gratitude journal. And the fourth thing is I, I talk about the, the scientific effects of service or charitable acts. So finding ways to give more freely of our time, our money, our resources, um, also as an exercise of gratitude. And then tied a little bit into that, I'll always talk a little bit about the Dr. Martin Seligman research, which is really just gratitude journaling, but it's just a, kind of a different way to kind of think about it. So those are four exercises that I generally will recommend to my clients. But then Brittany, I always tell them, I'm like, you got to find your thing because you have to go to the gym every day. Right. So you might be able to say, hey, I'm going to gratitude journal and I'm going to do that for a while. But you might noticing that maybe it doesn't have the same effect for you. So get outside and actually start going and doing service or start getting out and start doing something. Right. So, you know, to the other aspect of your question is, is that people will very, very frequently tell me, and I know that they're practicing their gratitude because it's a common, it happened to me, and it's a very common experience for those, and I'll share this with you, is that they'll start with, oh, I'm grateful for the sun coming up every day. I'm grateful for, (laughs) I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for, and they're the really easy things that we can reach to. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because then as you start practicing, you start literally going throughout your day and all of a sudden, and it's not all of a sudden kind of to your point, it takes a little bit of time, but it's maybe a little bit different for everybody depending on currently where you're at and how you're doing. But, you know, about a week, two weeks in, you'll just be out and about and you're like, there's something I'm grateful for. And it's just a totally new connection. Right. So it very much is about getting to that neurological rewiring through the exercise. Because if you expect to go to the gym and, you know, weigh 15 pounds less and, you know, be able to, you know, lift 20 pounds more by doing it one time. Well, we're all set up for a lot of disappointment. <laughs> right. So. Well, I I think it's interesting because this is something that Johnny will do with me if I am complaining about something, stressed about something, frustrated, whatever it is, all, you know, nagging. I am working on that. <laughs> but he'll be like, okay, now say three nice things about it. <laughs> or like, now say three things that you appreciate about me or, now say, you know, whatever it is. And sometimes I'm like, okay, give me a second to like be genuine about this. But I, a lot of time, anyway, so we have, we kind of jokingly do that back and forth to each other now. But, um, I'm, I guess that sort of sparked my question because a part of me sometimes feels like, okay, am I just faking it? Cause I was literally just complaining about how you unload the dishwasher, you know, am I now just faking it to make up these nice things? Um, but I, I like that you said that it really, it like, it is a muscle that we can strengthen. Even if you do feel like it's sort of a fake it till you make it. Like once you start looking for it, once you start saying it, once you start like really putting it into motion, it can come more naturally to you. It literally can change yeah. the way that, that you think. I'm glad that you brought that up too, because I think a lot of times we think of gratitude and we just think like we're either grateful people and we think about what we're grateful for and we try and be positive. But I appreciate 
you giving these concrete examples of how we can make that gratitude into something real and take something that sometimes we think of as like an emotion or a thought and make and turn it into something that is so much more powerful by doing something physical like service or writing it or speaking it and that's just that amplifies it so much so I'm really glad that you brought that up yeah you know Paris I think that's really interesting because um, when I do my gratitude theory, I've got at the base of, of my slideshow all of these gratitude quotes. And one of them talks about um, gratitude is a verb. <laughs> we, it, we have to put it into action. I think the most we still are putting it into action, but it's probably the most confined is the gratitude journal. But we're still putting it into action. We're yeah. expressing it. You know, and, and so it's interesting. And by the way, as well, and this is, I think, important for everybody who listens to this, that... Um, you know, quick disclaimer, if you're currently seeing a psychologist or you're, you know, on medication, like don't, don't self-medicate, you know, have a conversation with your doctor. But Paris, we know that from a standpoint of our hereditary, so much of our mental health is about 50% of our mental health is hereditary. So there are people who are more naturally dis disposed to, oh, I'm just kind of a happy, grateful person. And, or I generally like literally wake up on the wrong side of the bed every day and I'm kind of angry at the world. <laughs> the other great relief to this is, is that all of the research shows us, all of the research shows us that with proactive effort, we can improve. We can create more naturally happy dispositions for ourselves. Regardless as, of, regardless of where we're at. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to keep ourselves in that box of, oh, I'm just not an upbeat, peppy person like some right. people. You can yeah. realize that if I want to be a happier person, that is something that I can, I can work on and I can improve. And my circumstances don't necessarily have to change. But I can be more grateful for what I yes. do have, and that will make me a happier person. Yes, and you know, here's an interesting thing too, that I think this is interesting. I mean, because again, I've studied this, and I've worked at this for so long, that I literally used to say, and, and kind of like really kind of blunt ways, like happiness is a choice. And then I actually, it dawned on me at some point, Paris, that happiness isn't the choice. Your choice is to whether you want to actually practice, go to the gym. <laughs> That's your choice. And then the outcome with practice and time, Brittany, like you said, it doesn't happen immediately, but with practice and time, we actually start to improve. That's your choice that you get. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's doing a lot of people, ourselves, and a lot of people a disservice to say, well, happiness is a choice. And it is, but there are choices that have to precede that. Your choice is, just like you said, Paris, is I have the choice and the opportunity to practice this. And I know that over a period of time, all of the research shows me that I can be better off than I currently am. That's such a great point. So I think that that's always really, really... So I, I stopped saying that happiness is a choice. I started saying that your, your choice is you get to go to the gym. You can choose to practice or not. That's your mm -hmm. choice. That's perfect. And there's so much power in that. And I think it also takes off so much pressure of having to choose to be happy because you can choose to do the things that will make you happier rather than just expecting an immediate outcome. Yes, yes. Well, and sometimes I just want to be mad for a little while too, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can appreciate that. I, gotta, I, I don't want to tell you the I three things. I just, like right now, I just want to be upset for a little bit. If you could just give me that space, I'll come back later. You know? Exactly. Because <laughs> that's the choice sometimes. Yeah, sometimes like, I just want to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes and then... I don't want to go through this practice of gratitude. I'm just going to leave it out. I'm a little bit hot right now. <laughs> you know? Totally. That's also our choice. We all have agency. That's the other thing. I'm working on it, okay? <laughs> hey, I only say that because I'm in the same boat. No, I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay, so the other thing I wanted to ask you is 
obviously most of our listeners are mothers and I am curious how they could implement this in a home. Like, or even, I mean, even if you don't have children with your spouse, how can you create an environment, a grateful environment in your marriage or with your children? What are some things that you can implement in a family setting? That's, that's a great question. Um, because again, I think finding your way to practice is the most important thing for you, right? Mm-hmm. We know that there's, there are very cl- clear practices, you know, exercises, things that I can do. Everybody kind of needs to find their thing. So it's been really cool for me, Brittany, over the last 15 years to hear the way that my clients come back and report to me, right? So a lot of times if you've got that toddler and it's hard to, you know, get them to, I mean, number one, they can't even write, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, but you can actually start by sitting down together as a family and, you know, doing your know, practices, you know, practice for 10 or 15 minutes and give your, your, your child who is capable a pen and a paper. And even if it's not clear or like a really beautiful picture of just tell them, Hey, like, what are some things that make you happy? Draw pictures of, you know, and you can give them cues, you know, your teachers at school or, you know, your buddy, you know, Timmy, or, you know, draw a picture of Timmy. And it's a good way to just get them starting to know that, that this is a practice and we can do it. Other people um, have gratitude boards, you know, they come in their mudroom and there's gratitude boards or gratitude trees that people can, you know, put something up on with a, with a post-it note or, and then, you know, Brittany, one of the things that's most profound, I think for us as parents to help our kids, you know, practice gratitude is sometimes it's just the way we engage with them, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We know that our kids very much model our own behavior. And so, you know, if, if you... I was, I was literally taking the garbage out tonight and, um, there was a poor mother that I just smiled at. She's got two kids, you know, and she's on the other side of the street walking and this poor little girl is just throwing a fit. She's like, it's not fair. I don't want to go that way. And I was just like, and I, and I, and you know, fair, not fair. I immediately went to the judgment of, you know, I can hear her saying that, you know, to her own husband, like, well, it's not fair. I don't want to go there. It's like, you know, this is a little two year old toddler. And like, you know, she probably doesn't know a whole lot of phrases, but she's got these ones mastered. It's not fair. fair. I don't want to go there. And so, you know, a lot of times it's just, we got to be very thoughtful about the way we engage with our significant others, especially when the kids are around and or vice versa. But there's also things that we can do. I try really, really hard, Brittany, that when my own, when I come back into the environment for my own kids at the end of the day or whatever, and I walk into the environment, one of the things that I actually start with very frequently is I'll come in and I'll, and I'll tell my kids how much I love them rather than gripe about, you know, the traffic was horrible and I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And I'll be very intentional about when I come back to my environment and I'll look at my kids and I'll say, hey, I missed you. How are you doing? And more importantly, I love the question of what was the best part of your day? Mm-hmm. And it instantly changes the engagement, right? So there are little simple things like that that we have to be conscious and aware. And we're always teaching and we're always modeling, even for our significant others, right? It's easy for me. Uh, Any of your um, listeners ever listen to any Brene Brown? She talks about, you know, sometimes the very most comfortable people to hang out with are the people who are going to listen to us complain. And And she talked about, you know... um, going to a friend's house and there was a cross stitch pillow that, you know, had said something to that effect. And she said, you know, I, I literally snort laughed out loud because it was so true. It's funny and it's comfortable, <laughs> but, but those are, you know, long-term, not really the best friends. Cause then you start wondering, how do they talk about me when I'm not, you know, you, you eventually <laughs> all arrive there, right? It's so easy to gripe yes. about our friend who's not here. How do you talk about me when I'm not here? So we, we we're, we're teaching all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a really profound experience one time, Brittany, where I was complaining and a, and a friend completely, like not even a friend that, you know, really 
had, had you know he and I had had conversations of gratitude or anything else but I was just we finished a golf round and I got in the car and I said something he's like oh dude you're you got nothing to complain about you're so blessed and I was like and it really just kind of put me in my place I just like so all of those things and the way we engage the way we talk to our significant others our children but I'm a huge huge profound fan Brittany of of even just simple questions around the home of like hey what was the best part of your day mm-hmm. and it changes the way we think and the way we engage in the conversation so there's a lot of ways we can do it, but I'm just a big fan of however you choose to practice the service. Do it as a family. Go go get your kids involved in baking the cookies and take them to the neighbor. Um, you know, sit down and say, hey, let's write let's write a thank you card to the coach together. You know, or mm-hmm. or have them do it. Um, you know, so practicing all those ways, but doing it together as a family. There's a lot of interesting and fun ways we can be creative how we approach it, but we've got to be thoughtful about how we approach it. Yeah, love that, and it's interesting to me that more and more often when we ask someone about any particular topic, how, how can we teach this to our children? How can we instill this in our children? More often than not, the answer is just modeling like that. Starts starts with me. (laughs) It's so interesting. Yes. And honestly, a little, a little scary, right? Like that's a little bit scary, (laughs) but also really empowering to think that, that we do have so much influence in their thought patterns and processes. I, um, you may or may not know this person, Brittany, but I was with somebody (laughs) one day and this person, you know, literally was referenced their two kids by name and said, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so are so bitter. I don't know what their deal is. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that just happened. I'm like, yeah, that's weird. I don't know where they get it. That's crazy. Where could they have learned that? (laughs) Yeah. And so sometimes it's a good, it's a good time to like check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Right? Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, this is really making me think because my oldest is two right now. My oldest and only is two right now. And it makes me think how, how am I doing this? It makes me do a self-evaluation of me with my husband. How am I talking to him? How am I even asking him? He's going to get home from a work trip today. How am I going to ask him about that trip? Am I going to lead him into a place of gratitude and is that going to be the way that the conversation comes or are we immediately going to go into the into the downsides of it and so I really appreciate you just mentioning even just the phrasing of the question to turn the conversation into something that allows you to see more gratitude and that's such a powerful way to teach your kids and and it's scary though too because again I just think about that example and it's easy you know um, come home from a trip, you've been single parenting and it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Oh my gosh. And he comes home. He's like, the flight was horrible. And it's just, and we just lead ourselves and we find a lot of comfort in so many ways and people are listening and we're teaching ourselves. And so it really does start with ourselves. And and it was, it was mother Teresa who shared the quote of be the change you want to see in the world. So it starts with us and it's, it's a common, common theme. Well, and it's interesting because we do find comfort in complaining to one another. That's a way I think that, you know, we bond and it's, it's easy and comfortable, but it doesn't make us happy and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really grow those friendships. When I think about the people that I love to spend time around, they're people that I leave and I feel energized and I feel grateful and I feel happier about my life because I was influenced by their gratitude and their positive outlook. Even though it's so tempting to sometimes just get caught in that negative cycle. Yeah. I think especially as moms, we can do that sometimes because we all 
we're all exhausted. (laughs) We're all dealing with tantrums. Like there are so many things that we can kind of connect on that aren't the best. And I think sometimes that feels really bonding that we're all going through it. But what we're also all going through is that these sweet little humans need us and we get that connection and we can focus more on that and uplift our friends and our communities more. Totally. Totally. There's, I think it's a balance. It's for sure a balance. I well, like we and Paris, think even about literal, like when we start talking about the science of evolution, we know that like we know 50% of our happiness is predicated on our hereditary. But if you actually work diligently at finding new neuroplastic pathways and you start to evolve what are the genes that you're actually passing on? Like mm-hmm. you can start there, yeah. right? Like, like this is like pretty really complex, really interesting, fun stuff. And we really realize, and again, one of the things Paris that I hear frequently is, is that people will say, well, yeah, I am faking it. It's not true because I am frustrated and I am bothered right now. <laughs> and and we just say, hey, look, and, and that's okay. We all experience emotions. And the researchers are very clear too about that this isn't like, silly rose-colored you know views of world and life that we all experience emotions but again we get to choose how we're going to respond to any given situation and it takes practices i mean I'm, I'm so frequently reminded of of yoga which i'm a very infrequent and not very frequent practicer and then if i ever go to a yoga class i'm like how can that person do that? that's silly that's crazy how can they do that and i'm like and 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 you'll hear them frequently say practice regular practice weekly, practice daily, practice, and we start gaining these new skills. And so it just, it does, it requires time and patience and it requires a little bit of effort, but um, it's okay to experience emotions. That's not what this is about. And and it's okay in the research to say, it's not about putting on, you know, rose colored glasses and being blind to reality. So it's, it's about finding the balance and we get to choose how mm-hmm. we're going to react to every situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a great thought. Yeah, and I have to add to that too that um, since Paris and I have started, we wanted to start every episode with something, just like a common theme that we could have at the beginning of every episode, a little intro, kind of a get to know you um, that would sort of weave our episodes together. And we thought about it a little bit, and I am so glad that we have done a moment of gratitude. Um, because both Paris and I have commented on how interesting it is that as we have done that, um, especially on the days we know we're recording, we are looking. I mean, it, it happens and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm totally looking for something to be grateful for when I wouldn't have necessarily spent that time doing that before. Anyway, it's been really interesting to, to honestly see what you're talking about in just like one very small way, right? Like we do one small moment of gratitude every time we record and even that has made a difference, I feel like, it's, for me. It's really, it, it's cool. Because yeah. it really does, it changes what we what we start looking for even. Totally, yes. It's really neat. Yes, I agree. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Well, Darren, Paris, do you have any other questions? No, I was just going to say, I'm so inspired. Thank I you. know, I know. Do you have anything else you want to add before we finish? Um, geez, I could go, like, we should just do seven more um, episodes. Please, because, please. <laughs> <laughs> because conversations with Darren. <laughs> yeah. Really just added the title. <laughs> After 15 years, there's just so many other things. But I mean, it just at, at the end of the day, I think it's just, it's great. Um, you know, I'm such a huge fan of Kindred Conversations and what you guys do and empowering people to, to be in control. And this is a great place to just really be thoughtful and to start working at it. Um, and I think we've definitely given everybody enough to think a little bit about. Totally. But, um, so yeah, I mean, it was super, super fun. It was great. I'm grateful to have you guys um, engage me in some of your conversation because I'm a huge fan. You guys are all stars. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're grateful you're here. Yeah, we Thank are. Thank you.
We are so grateful that Darren took time out of his busy schedule to share the wisdom that he has obviously shared so many times before with us and all of our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed this episode of Kindred Conversations, it would mean so much to us if you would leave us a rating and a review on your Apple podcast app. Also, you can join in the conversation at kindred underscore conversations on Instagram.